Hi, everyone. It's Julie O'Neill. I'm here with the one and only Rick Flynn talking about my new book, Bold, The Secret to My Big Wins to Help You Crash Through Your Comfort Zone. What does that mean? We'll get into it here in just a minute. You're listening to Rick Flynn. With a shout out from London Town, it's Rick Flynn Presents... Now, ladies and gentlemen, your MC for the affair, Rick Flynn. Hi, everyone, and welcome on in. It is a delight today to have a guest on the program that has actually been a guest in my personal residence for almost 30 years. Wow. And and I mean that sincerely. It's been, what, 27 yeah, to over, be exact. I was on the air for over 27 in Cincinnati. 27 yeah. in Cincinnati. And as you know, Julie O'Neill, you and I have mutual friends uh-huh. that actually work with you. Yes. Yes. Bob and oh, I. Well, I know you know Denny and I know Papo Denny and, and I had a gentleman that worked with me on the radio. You have to know Curtis Mitchell. Yes. Yeah, I think the whole city. Yes. Knows Kurt, of course. And we worked together on uh, what is now WGRR, right? FM one hundred three point five. So I, in fact, it was Mister Allen that said, "Come on in one night," because he appeared on my terrestrial show on what is now WGRR. And then after that taping, he said, come on in. Well, we taped it at Channel 9, Uh the old building. Yeah, 500 Central. Yes, yes. And we taped it. And then when it was all over, he pulled up a chair and in the studio... And I watched the news produced live. I was the only guest in the studio. Bob was there, the anchor. That's cool. Who was Pat Menarson. Yeah, he was there. Now, that was before my time, but I came right after that. Right. There you go. Okay. And so, I mean, Channel 9... Actually, they weren't even ABC then. They were CBS. CBS. Yes. We made the switch while I was there. It was CBS when I started, and then not long after, we we made the switch to ABC. Yeah. That is excellent. But at any rate, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us today. Julie O'Neill, in addition to being a 30-year media veteran, has taken and written a book which is going to be released well actually it was released when yesterday yeah yesterday julie o'neill ladies and gentlemen the title of her book is simply called bold the secret to my big wins to help you crash through your comfort zone and when you say your comfort zone you're even including yourself you have a comfort zone the audience reading the book has their comfort zone but to be bold in nature means you're gonna have to crash through that yes indeed whether you're the author or the reader rick i'm honored to be with you i, I first of all what a great voice you 
<laughs> I just <laughs> want to you. sit and listen to you. Thank, um, thank and, you. And, and, and when you said bold, you said it so well because some people say it and, and, and people think they're saying bald. No, uh-huh. the book is not bald. <laughs> Do you know? It's bold. <laughs> I, this is the true statement. <laughs> I swear to you, Julie, I had a man stop me at the grocery. I had some things on the conveyor. Uh-huh. And I said, well, thank you, ma'am. Uh, I'll see you next time I'm in. And I got my groceries. Uh, Sir, <clears throat> and, and a gentleman is out there and stops me in the grocery. He said, sir, my name is Pastor so-and-so. Would you be interested in singing with our choir? We could use that bass. And that's right, baby. <laughs> that, everybody can use a good bass. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you. <laughs> that's good stuff. I'd have been a damn poor criminal because, you know, I'd crash in. I'd rob the bank. And they would say, FBI'd come in, Secret Service. Uh, All right, who robbed this bank? So, well, we've heard that voice before. <laughs> we strongly suggest you go to the radio or television. That's You'll right. find your man. Now, listen, Rick, my experience in the grocery store is that someone an aisle over will hear me laugh about something. People recognize my laugh oh, yes. more than anything. They, yes. and, and it's not till I laugh or start talking, especially if, if I'm mad <laughs> or tired, then the, the Southern draw comes out and and then they laugh and then we get into conversation my my poor kids have had to in, indulge many 30 minute conversations in aisle 12 <laughs> right oh yes uh, because i like to talk to everybody but yeah the, it's the it's the voice and the laugh that gets people because people listen to television more than they watch yes and, and often i'm out and about without makeup and so they won't recognize me unless they'll think i'm tanya o'rourke because we right. we look so much right. alike and have last names that start yeah. with O. You have a degree in broadcasting media. Yeah, broadcast journalism from LSU. From LSU. I have a degree in what was, at the time I enrolled, it was called Radio TV Film Miami and Oxford. Okay, good for you. And my senior year, they changed the title and it became Mass Communications. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, my first interview I ever did, and it was for a radio class. Guess who the interview was with? He was a student in my class. We had to get someone famous, and I immediately said, I call Shaq. Oh, my. Who was sitting right next to me. Shaq O'Neal? Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, we went, we just went uh, a few weeks ago to Dayton Mm -hmm. in advance of knowing that they're going to build one in, in this city right Uh here but we went up to Dayton to Shaq's Big Chicken oh no oh yes we (laughs) ate at his restaurant and mama what was her name mama Charmaine or whatever his it's her recipe of the the uh, macaroni and cheese with the crushed up cheese it's on top excellent oh we had a good time but at any rate yeah uh, Shaq O'Neal Julie O'Neal now Shaq spelled it wrong and I told him so. Right, I can believe that. <laughs> and I, I played basketball in grade school and I asked him if anyone ever called him oppressive O'Neill. Mm-hmm. And of course he just was he was shy back in the day. And yeah. he would just have that big grin on his face and laugh and he got teased a lot for his foul shots and all that. But uh but he was in he, uh, several of my journalism classes at LSU. That is excellent. Yeah. Now tell everybody at your desk you had a signed eight by 10 publicity photo of a gentleman who thought you were all that. And I used to watch him and his, speaking of the restaurant business, his announcer was big time in it with his 
fish and chips shops. Now you're teaching me something. Oh, Arthur Treacher. Okay. Remember Arthur Treacher? I know that name. I didn't Arthur know that. Arthur Treacher though. was, and now, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. here is Mervin. That was Merv's Ed McMahon. Yeah. Arthur Treacher and Merv Griffin. And you apparently, he had some very good complimentary things to say. And he ended up giving you, I don't even think you asked for the photo you say in the book, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, he had a great interview with him, and you you have to read the book to find out how I was able to strike a good rapport with him, but it's a funny story. He and his handler that was with him tried to play a little practical joke on me, and I'm afraid it backfired. Yeah, oh, no. <laughs> I read that. I'm, I'm going to let the people yeah, read it because it's anyway, a funny but, story. But in, in the book, I talk about how when you use humor, and he did it so well, it it's the great equalizer. It levels everything, so you just have become two human beings. He was a monster. At one time, he was, Forbes called him the wealthiest entertainer in the business. He was a billionaire and, with a B. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And um, so it it would be very easy to be intimidated. And, and of course, you have a, a, that measure, appropriate measure of respect. But when you start laughing together, then suddenly you're you're two human beings. And, and that is a really good tool in, in any business. But we went into it with humor and ended up having a great interview. And, and got I got some great stuff from him in the interview. And we laughed. And afterward, he said, Julie, that's the best interview anyone's done with me. That and is he, I mean, wonderful. just looked me straight. And I, and I came right back with, could I have that in writing, please, sir? <laughs> and and he called his handler over, and the handler had a briefcase. He pulled out that 8 by 10 and he wrote on that, Julie, you're the best, exclamation point, Merv. And I've kept that all these years. It, it, that, was, that was a moment. That was one of those moments. That is great. Now, on my Facebook page, when I put it out, I have a picture of myself standing next to a guy who the name I don't know if you're going to mean if it's going to hit you and the reason why because it's possible we have some mutual friends here because in your book you talk about a family called the Geraci family. The Geraci, yeah, the Geraci family. G as in George, E-R-A-C-I. A-C-I. Yeah. Now, I stand on my Facebook page with a guy named Sonny Geraci. Okay. He had not one, but two rock and roll bands. Both of them had hits that I played as a DJ. One of them, the biggest one, was a song called Precious and Few Are the Moments We Two Can Share. That was a group called Climax. He was the lead singer of Climax with that hit, Precious and Few, which was, I'll tell you exactly what it was. Climax was number three on the chart in America for three weeks. Now, later on, he went in 1966, and he was out of Cleveland, Ohio, Uh and he had a group called The Outsiders. I can't wait forever, even though you want me to. Time won't let me live that long. Time won't let me by the outsiders. Okay. That's Sonny Garacy, the same guy, a different band, number five in 1966. My question to you 
you is because of the Norwood family you talk about in your book that birthed and and, and raised 15 children after what the doctor said you'll never have a child. Is that something? Now, I want to know, is Sonny Geraci the recording artist that had Climax and The Outsiders out of Cleveland, Ohio? Is that a relative of that family? Well, I'm going to have to text my my buddy, Joe Geraci, and ask him now. There, don't and be surprised. I'll get the answer for you. I mean, when you have that big a family, probably is right. my answer. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> But what a family and what an interview that was and hearing his. This was a World War II vet, Charlie. Yeah. And people ask me all the time, what was your favorite interview? I mean, they're all so different and and so many special ones. And, you know, and of course, people always say it had to be Garth, right? Because, you yeah. know, Garth was so sweet to me and I was able to interview him many times and one-on-one many times and, and was so kind. And, and I just, just adore him and, and Tricia. But as much as that puts a smile on my face, the, the big interviews, the most memorable and poignant of my career were always the military. And then if I had to pick one, it had to be Charlie. Mm-hmm. had to be Charlie. And you'll read why in the book. Right. Yeah. It's a fascinating story. And you dedicate darn near a whole chapter to them. Yeah. And they were just, they were a military family. Yeah who you met, was it through work? Now listen, I bought, I had to go see Joe. He has a jewelry place. Geraci's over there on the west side and was buying a ring. And so he was my jewelry guy. And, you know, we, we I, I like to talk to people. And, I, and I, in the book I talk about, you don't ever know who you're talking to. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a story that's good enough to put on the air, quite frankly, if you if you take a moment to get to know people. And so I, I like to talk to people. You know, I'm, 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 I'm sitting down with you and I'm hearing this, the Johnny Cash story and, and other fascinating things about your life. Everybody has some of those. And, and we need to let life breathe and get to know people. And with Joe, I got to know him some and we were friendly. And then years later, I get a call or a text from him that, hey, I, ha- I have maybe a story for you. I don't know. Oh, okay, what's that, Joe? You know, I might get those calls a lot in the news and everybody has my cell phone and they call and that that's all good. And when he starts telling me the story of his father, I about fell out. And it was that moment of shame on me that I'm just finding this out because this is huge. And it was all I could do to get that set up and and sit down with that man and tell his story and it was at his 90th birthday and it it needed to be told and I went over to his house and sat down and got all the scrapbooks out and went through it all and it was just life stuff life stuff and so you know that that's the lesson is you know talk to people and get to know people because there's there's a lot inside people well I was told as I was writing it by friends I call them my board of directors in the book we all need our own personal board of directors and these are friends we that know us and will tell us the truth and we know them well enough to believe them and that's important on a lot of levels I get into that in the book but yeah they said you need to be bold in the present and so I do that but what I did was after I left the news desk and reporting after so many years I started the reflection as people do when they when they end a career and boy it hits you like a tidal wave and memories come back and and you start to think about what is it that I did, what worked, what didn't work. When we think about what worked, why? And so I started to break it down. Remember in school when the teacher would say, you have to show your work, and we go, ugh, isn't it good enough that I got the answer right? (laughs) 
hated that. But it's it's important to know how you got there, because then you can break it down, deconstruct it, and maybe it can be a gift to other people if they can learn from some of the things. And a lot of the things that I did that worked, people already do. But I, I hope that reading some of this, they'll say, yes, yeah, I kind of have done some. Of and then they'll you do it more when you realize what you're doing well is, is having a good effect and impact, then you'll do it more and you'll build on it. And that's what confidence is. You know, you, you gain confidence from wins, but you have to pay attention to them in order to build on them and have more of that. So that's part of, that's part of what it is, is just going through and, and what worked and why. And, and it's fun. It's just a, it's a fun read and a lot of adventures. I mean, you know, from, from doing this work. I read every page of that book and you know, Julie, I did it in one sitting. Wow. I took a break in the middle, but even at that, I had it done in three and a half. Yeah. No more than four hours. hours. No more than four hours. It's, I I tried to make it conversational and, and just as I'm talking to you and, and make it fun to follow as though I'm just telling you the stories. And so hopefully people will enjoy just the read, but I do, I do hope they take something from it because otherwise, when you talk about autobiography, it's, it's, it's a memoir of my career. I I tell a little bit of my background because you have to, people don't know me and my background, but, but I, I, so I gave some some of that, but I really wanted it just to be the career and the ups, downs and all arounds and and what I got from it and what I, hopefully I can give after looking back. Right. Now, I went on my own and I saw, I guess you could call them dictionary definitions of what bold is. And one of them, showing an ability to take risks, confident and courageous having a strong or vivid appearance. Merriam-Webster, which I think you had in your book, it says, not hesitating or fearful in the face of actual or possible danger or rebuff. Not hesitating to break the rules of propriety. Now, Ooh, I like that one. (laughs) Oh, there are all kinds. Not frightened of danger. Strong in color or shape. Very noticeable to the eye. Which, by the way, that's a compliment to you, but that's another whole thing. (laughs) Thank you. you. All right. But now, the reason I say this is that in your book, now we're going Going back to your book, Bold, you put your opinion of what you feel the definition of boldness is. Bold, you say directly from your book, boldness does not require actual confidence or authentic belief in oneself. It does not require age or experience. It's strictly a mindset. And I never would have thought, when I thought of boldness, I thought of what those prior definitions were. Uh, well, Merriam-Webster hadn't yeah. called me. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, all of every, you can have your own definition. This yeah. is what it is to me and how, how I use it in the book. Because as I say in the book, it's something you can pick up like a briefcase and take with you. It's a decision. It's a mindset. 
mindset, just like happiness is. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is can be a, a mindset. state of mind. Yeah. So so you can be full of fear, and there are things in my life that that yeah, I'm sc- I'm scared of the book. I don't yeah. know what it's going to do. Yeah. Um, I I don't know what the future is going to be. I'm starting a new career. So you can have fear. That's normal. Feelings are not good or bad. They're they're just your feelings, and so we we have them. We're human beings. It's what you do with them. So how do you push through the fear and move past it? And it really is just a decision. But if you have had bold moments where despite your fear, you have crashed through and it worked and you, you're intentional to remember that moment. And I look back and I see that about nine out of 10 times when I did something that was off the cuff and out of the ordinary and, and you wouldn't have expected it and tried something, it worked. One out of 10 times, it was a flop. I failed miserably. Sometimes I got called into the office. <laughs> I, you know, n- I'm not talking about That's breaking laws unusual. and things like that. No, but I'm just I'm saying not, not w- risk takers, you win and lose. But if you get into the pattern of saying, I'm going to do things differently, I'm going to be real and authentic, and I'm going to try things. One of the th- thing I did, this is not in the book, but it was just fun. It was a, a Saturday or Sunday. I was working, it was reporting weekends at this time. This is early in my career. And uh, we had the uh, women's NCAA tournament in town and Tennessee was one of the one of the teams playing so it was orange everywhere and and on a, on the weekend it's hard to get numbers you, you're not going to get any officials to answer the phone people are off so it's hard to really put a meat and potatoes story together on a weekend but but that was the assignment so you do the best you can you you try to get people and what you can't get you make a story anyway and so I was out and and I was able to get some managers of hotels and and get some economic impact of how packed they were. And, and, and I did my due diligence. So sometimes you just walk in and say, I need to talk to somebody. You, it, you don't get things done on the phone most of the time. You have to go. News doesn't happen in a newsroom, right? So as I'm out there, there's this stretch limo, this big orange stretch limo. And, and it just, you know, you talk about bold in appearance. It, it made such a statement right there in front of the, the at that time, the Omni Netherland Hotel. And so I did a stand up in front of it. And I, and I said, as I'm talking through all the stuff everywhere, and I said, and look at this huge orange stretch limo. It has nothing to do with the story, but isn't it cool? <laughs> and, and I kind of laughed, and then the story continued. And it was just a fun moment. I didn't know if it would work in the story or not, but I had several people call and message me that they, they just thought that was great, it was real, and it was fun. So I tried it, and it worked. Sometimes you do those things, and you look silly or stupid, and but you, you have to try things if you want to set yourself apart. Now, didn't you? You, prior to writing the book, you had lunch with the girls and the girls gave you some advice about writing a book called Bold and talking about boldness. What did the girls tell you? I will tell you that, first of all, I asked them because they're they're heavyweights in their companies and I I respect that they they had the climb, they had the success and they're running companies now. and, And I asked them to lunch to say, what do you need in your company? What's your need? If I'm going to become a professional speaker, I need to know what the need is and whether I can answer it. And uh, the one, you know, we're eating the Caesar salad, as the story goes, and she puts her fork down and she put her head in her hands for, you know, what seemed like a long time. She thought about it and put the fork down. And then she looked up and she said, women have talent. They have ability. They have great ideas, but they're not too often doing what it takes to get to that next level, to get 
the seat at the table and they need to be more bold. And what she didn't know is that I was already working on the book. And at that time, my working title was If I Could Be So Bold, which I still like that title. That's not a bad title either. Um, But I just decided to keep it simple and went with the one word, bold. And so I said, that's interesting. And so we started talking about that and what bold was and all of that. And and then both of them asked me, you're going to write about your exit from the business. I said, no, I I just I want the book to be about the positive moments and uplifting. I don't want to make it about that. And they said, oh, no, 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 you have to. You have to. It's happening to too many women and you have to be bold in the press. You can't write a book about being bold and not be bold about what happened to you. Right. Now, there's plenty, including what you say, is are some matters that you were really, you didn't want to even have to share, but you did. And we're not going to get into that. But here, if you don't mind, I would like to tell the listening audience worldwide what it is that you say in your book about boldness in your life. You said, and I quote, I sincerely hope you'll have fun reading about the fantastic, magical career I had bringing boldness to TV news. And you know what? I'm not in TV news, but my career, if you look up, it was full of magical moments. Yeah. And that was just one of them. Yeah. Johnny Cash. How about Being my neighbor for two and a half days right across the hotel room from me. Wow. Johnny, June Carter Cash, and the young four-year-old John Cash Jr. I just watched a documentary on June. And I was, wow, who knew all of that? It happened because when we were playing with the show band in California, they put us on floor 17, which is where all the entertainers are. Nobody else, just the entertainers. How cool. And one day I get off the elevator at 2 a.m. or so in the morning. We're complete for the night. We're done. And there is a gentleman out there in a suit and tie. I didn't know who he was. None of the band knew who he was, but we just went up and introduced himself and said, sir, we were told that this floor where we're living is only for entertainers. Uh, and, and we notice you haven't been here in the last couple weeks. Is there something going on here? We don't know. He said, yeah, I think I'll be able to help you out. You do have a neighbor and yes, he's definitely an entertainer. And we kept talking and talking uh-huh. and talking. It turned out that that entertainer had had kidnapped threats on the little four-year-old boy. Oh. That boy's name, I did not know at the moment. He just said the child. Mm -hmm. And as we talked, we hear the noise of the service elevator, not the main elevator where the, the public has access. Yeah. And around the corner from the service elevator, who walks in? John Cash. Hi, everybody. I'm Johnny Cash. And I just absolutely couldn't believe it. There are magical moments in this career with Johnny, his wife, June, and no entourage, no nothing. Had a guitar case in one hand, had a big wide guitar strap for the uh, guitar, just friction on his shoulder, just hanging there. And this is what happens in the business. There are magical moments, but you know what? For the most part, the business is not about magic. 
It's about doing the work. And you say that in your career, you were the one who, if they wanted the interview done and brought back to the station, you were the gal that would get her done. You better believe it. That's what you'd say. Yeah. Oh, my I, and, boldness. And, 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 yeah. And, and I, it's a mindset. Yes. You, send, you want to get that? Send me. And and that doesn't mean I'm the most talented one in the world. It doesn't mean that, that there aren't great reporters around for whom I have great respect. It's a mindset that I'm going to go get it, and it's going to be great. And you have no shot unless you go into it believing that. And and I did, and I had good moments because of it. I had bad moments too, but you have to go in saying, I'm the one to follow. And, and there's your best shot at being the one they follow. Right. It might surprise you, you say, what goes on behind the scenes. Even more, though, it's my great wish that you glean something meaningful that will bring boldness to your the reader's life and career, especially as I open up about experiences, it brings me no pleasure to share. My girlfriends, you say, were not wrong. It has to be said. Yes. And there we have it. There is enough in this book where I am not going to spoil any of it. It's just, I want to say, Julie O'Neill, 27 years at one major station in Cincinnati, not to mention the other markets that you were in prior to arriving in Cincinnati. You were from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. You worked there. You worked in Florida. I thought I read in your book, you had actually done and did you work at the station with Robin Mead? Yeah. Right. And I love, she's an Ohio Robin's girl. Robin's wonderful. She was Miss Ohio. Oh, that's right. We would sit And you together. were in the contest, <laughs> weren't you? I had done the pageants too, so we, we would get together and watch Miss America together. She was such a, a down-to-earth, great person and enjoyed Robin. She did the morning show. At, I watched at, her at all the time. WSVN in Miami, where I was. I did a child watch segment. Yes. And uh, Shepard Smith was there. He was the run-and-gunning reporter to watch. And you talk about, and this is part of it, too. You watch people who are really good at what they do, and you take some of that in. And, and when I tell you Shepard was the one everyone was following, we were all in awe of how he could walk and talk and do everything. And you just wanted to be with him all day as he, he'd walk over to the little computer in the, in the newsplex and look something up. And you'd just wait while he looked it up because it was all happening live. And then he'd say, well, let me go over here and talk to Rick Sanchez and ask him this. And hey, does it, can somebody get me this over? And you just, he was so watchable and in command and in the moment. And I, you know, you watch that and you try to incorporate those things that you know feel good and feel natural and authentic to the viewer. And so he, I learned a lot from Shep. Uh, there, and there were reporters in Baton Rouge I learned a ton from. Um, the main anchor was George Sells. Um, he gave me quite a review for the book. Um, uh, and uh, Dan Cambry was uh, one of those kind of run and gun reporters, very conversational. And he would just tell me, Julie, people want to tell you everything you want to know. 
just shut up and let them tell their story. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn early on to shut up and let them talk. People don't like a pregnant pause. If you are quiet long enough, they'll start talking and they'll they'll tell you in the way that they want to tell you and need to tell you. And that's something you develop over time. I watched your friend Robin Mead for years on that HLN. Uh-huh. Now, what is your, if I could just get your opinion, on her departure, which I I know she did not want, but isn't that, uh, what What can I say? Is that show business? Is that just news? What would you I, say I, about it? I, I, I have to tell you, I don't know all the, the details of that at all, but I will tell you we're the same age, and and unfortunately that is part of it. And I, I don't know if that was the reason, but if I could talk to her, I'd sure love to ask her. I haven't talked to her in, in decades, but boy, what a talent. Boy, and she what, was good. Uh, and, and a beautiful woman inside and out, I'll tell you. And she sang, really some oh, country songs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She, you know, talented girl. We we had some good times back in the day. Absolutely. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, the book from Julie O'Neill is entitled Bold. Do you agree with what I've said for years? I've said it on this very series. I say there is a feature story in everyone. Yes. It's just as the host. Yes. It's your job to bring it out. Yeah. Will I, you I, say I, right on to I, that? Right on. High five. I even actually pitched this to a friend. You know, when one of the cool things is that the story I did on Charlie lives forever. That family will have that as a keepsake forever. So it's one day on the news, maybe two. But for this family, it's such a treasure. And I think I would love to to make a business out of telling people stories, sitting down, interviewing them as I would as a reporter and putting all that together for the time capsule for the family, because I've done it with my family members. I did it news person style, like for dad's birthday. And I was the anchor woman. And, and it was all make believe as I did the setup as though it was on the news. But I thought that more families should have that because you're right. Every everybody has that feature story. And, and I just think that that's one of the, the really cool things I've been able to do. I think it's wonderful. Now, people have just heard you mention Garth Brooks. That had to be along with another religious icon who I'm going to let you tell everybody. Uh, just I don't want the whole story because I don't want to ruin it for the reader. But Garth Brooks, you interviewed. He had to be. Was he as big when you interviewed him as what he is now? When I first interviewed him in Cincinnati, when I not long after I first got here, it was a massive news conference. So this was 96 maybe or 96, somewhere in there, 96 or 97. Marge Schott was there. Yeah, Mrs. And she, Schott. she was going to take him around with the Reds and I mean it, everybody was involved and it that news conference was packed yeah. and there, the big thing then was he was not going to allow us to bring a camera in to get video of the concert and his reasoning was the audio's terrible on the you know the acoustics are not going to be he's not going to sound good so he didn't allow cameras in to his concerts and I, I get that you want quality when you're a person of excellence it's not being a prima donna or whatever you want to call it. It's about, you know, I'm going to put it out in a way that is first class, high quality. So my goal was to go into this news conference and get him to sing a little bit in the news conference. So at the beginning of the news conference, I I get my little question in and and I I brought up that he doesn't allow cameras in. So, you know, would you, would you give a girl a break and, and, and sing a little bit for us, Garth? And, and he smiled and he goes, 
and no. <laughs> and then so everybody laughs. Well, the news conference continues on. And at some point, somebody asks him a question and about a particular song. And he starts to sing a little bit of it. And everybody looks at me. And I, my eyes are big as quarters because I got him to sing. <laughs> and it wasn't me. But And then Garth looked at me and he said, are you happy now? Oh. And, and then I ended my whole piece that aired that night with, yes, I am. <laughs> Julie O'Neill, da da and it was just a, a nice moment, but I didn't get one, you know, true one-on-one with them. But I got my questions in. But then fast forward, you know, he raised his kids and and took that long breather. And when he came back, he was offering interviews. And I went to that that first news conference five or six years ago, and it was my daughter's birthday. This is not in the book, and. Uh, she, I, I couldn't leave her at home. It was her birthday. So I took her with me. She had her little notepad and sat down with me. And boy, he noticed her right away. He said, who do we have here? And I said, well, this is the birthday girl. She couldn't be left at home because it's her birthday, Garth. And she, she actually has a question for you. And he let her ask the question and answered her question. I got it all on videotape. And then she had her little pink cowboy boots on and he signed her cowboy boots. <laughs> and he said, boy, Trisha would love these boots. Oh my, <laughs> Could my. not have been sweeter to my little girl. You never what, interviewed what a Trisha. Gift. Never got to interview Trisha. And 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 Garth will tell you she's the one with the voice. Oh, oh I love her word. voice. I love listen. Her. I listen to her when I'm getting ready to go out for the evening. I have to hear what they Trisha. asked Garth once. Well, he has daughters, right? Oh yeah. yeah. He, he said, it, "What do you think about your daughters? Are, are they are they intimidated having to live with Garth Brooks?" And do you know what he answered? back he said if i were my daughters to them i'm dad that's all i am i would be intimidated if i were them having to live with miss yearwood yeah because in my opinion he said miss yearwood is in the top three of country and western female vocalist i have ever heard in my life Yeah. And you know what, boy, she is she's the cat's meow. Yes, she is. She's for this excellent. last concert when she got up and sang with him and we, we were at Paul Brown Stadium and they did uh what what was this the Lady Gaga song? She did the duet, it was from the movie. Yeah, I, uh, she, I don't uh, know. In the shallow. They did they did that duet and the place went crazy. And oh my gosh, when you have everybody in that stadium together singing along and you know, it's when the concert ends is the best part i'm going to go on and on about garth when the concert is over that's the best part because then he just comes out on the stage with his guitar and he'll just play anything we were all singing the the song you know i was drunk the night my mama got out of prison <laughs> and, I went, and we're oh my gosh that was so good oh mm, my mm, mm. my oh my the book ladies and gentlemen is from julie o'neill we're talking about it now it was just released yesterday the book is entitled bold that's it simply one word bold and then a little subtitle here the secret to my big wins to help you crash through your comfort zone and the book is available julie where i know it's on amazon it's on amazon just put bold in the search engine and hopefully it pops up uh and uh right now the uh the book sells for 15.99 you can get the ebook for 5.99 at some point hopefully this summer i'm going to record an audio book and we'll have that available as well and i hope i hope people enjoy it i hope they get a little pearl or two they can use for their lives you feel like you you did this 
career and you, you picked up some things and if people can learn from the wins and the mistakes and how you how you pick yourself up after those moments where you don't ever walk in want to walk in that door again. And that's how shattered you on the floor and, and what you do to pick yourself up and go back in and enjoy your job that next day when that happens. And and I, I did learn some things over the years. I, I hope it I hope it's good for for other people. And you're going to tell people that buy the book, your days with, I don't know if they were days plural, but you had memorable interviews with a former president of the United States. I think some of them jokingly called him Slick Willie. <laughs> and I'm not talking about Cunningham. <laughs> that no. was going to be my next question. Yeah. No, that's a different Willie. Maybe maybe Cunningham will run for president someday. Yeah. We'll see. Oh, my. <laughs> no, you had something to do with Bill Clinton. Back, he wasn't president then. Early on, he was trying to get the nomination. And he, right. he was on the campaign trail with George Stephanopoulos and James Carville. And, and they, they sent you out on assignment? Well, actually, I was supposed to cover the news conference that afternoon, but I got a tip that Clinton was going to be staying at the, the local Hilton. This was in Baton Rouge, my first station. And he was going to jog to the coffee call and get some beignets. And, and uh, if I got out there early, I might be able to catch him jogging. So I got up early. My photographer got up early. We got out there. The, all the national press was following his every move because he was on the campaign trail. But none of the local reporters knew about it. And here comes Julie in her four-inch heels jogging alongside Bill Clinton. <laughs> that didn't work out so well. But I did get him eventually, and you'll find out what happened. And it was a, it was a bit of a <laughs> cluster uh, trying to, to get some sound with Bill Clinton, but I got it. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. I'll tell you what. I remember author Robert Frost from which, of course, when you go to Miami and Oxford, you can't get out of there oh, sure. without learning about Robert Frost. And he's the guy that always said two roads diverged in, in the wood. wood. Yes. And sorry I could not travel both. I chose the one that was less traveled by yeah. and it has made all, all the, the difference. difference. Now in your book you put another Robert Frost quote, freedom lies in being bold. That's a Robert Frost quote I don't even know myself. Yeah. Where did you come up with that? Yeah, I I read that some time ago and it has never been more real as it is right now. Freedom lies in being bold. You think about that. Think about as a child, you're on the swing set and in that one moment you just want to fly off you want to yeah. go as high as you can but it's that moment that you make that decision and and jump and your your whole body's alive because you you had that freedom um and and so when you have these bold moments it should feel electric it it should make you feel free and that's what being bold is it's not being reckless um, and it's not being stupid. <laughs> right. Uh, and and I, I have to compliment another reporter who handled things a little more wisely than I did on one particular story that I talk about in one chapter. You, you, you have to have your wits about you. But when you take those moments to try something unique to you, because everyone has their unique gifts and talents, and you can't think about how it worked for somebody else. You have to think about what God gave you and how you make it work uniquely and and when you come out of your comfort zone and you give that a shot and then it works, oh, 
That's freedom. Right. Now, somehow, somewhere, and boy, this is going to take some time, and I know we don't have this kind of time, but at least back me up and tell everyone listening that yes, you did indeed in your career not only interview Mother Teresa, but you actually, was that was a phoner? Or yeah. did you, yeah. you you interviewed her via the telephone? I called her in Calcutta and she answered the phone. And she answered the phone. Now, this was, were you assigned this or, no. or was this another accident? My, this was my idea. This is, again, we were in the morning meeting and we were about to bury our beloved bishop. Everyone loved Bishop Ott. He was a saintly man. Everyone would say that he was the person they admired the most in that community. And so my thought was, well, everybody says he's the man they admire most. Who did he admi- admire the most? And he was like a giddy schoolboy when Mother Teresa had come to visit years before. I said, we should get Mother Teresa. And and one of the other reporters said, I tell you what, O'Neill, you get Mother Teresa and I'll get the Pope. And everybody <laughs> chuckled and laughed at me. Yeah. Well, it was game on. And so I left that meeting and decided I was going to get Mother Teresa. And you'll see how it all how it all worked out. But I, I got her number in Calcutta. I still have it in an old Rolodex under Mama T. Right. Uh, oh, yeah. my. You still have yeah. it. Yeah. And, and imagine when you finally, you're going to call that number. You don't know who's going to answer. You don't know if you're going to get an answer. And all of a sudden, you hear this voice. Hello? Uh, h- hello? May I please speak to Mother Teresa? This is Mother Teresa. Who is this? And I, j- you know, that moment. And then, then you have to figure out, how am I going to introduce myself? <laughs> she doesn't. And then I had to say, I'm in the United States. I'm in a news reporter. And, you know, I had to explain it all. And, and, and I put it in the book. But, you know, why not? Why not? Why can't I get Mother Teresa? It's a magical moment that you talked about before. That was one of your magical yeah, moments. Yeah. Garth Brooks, a magical moment. Mm-hmm. And we can go on and on. And there are magical moments with everyday people that touch your life and move you and make you a better person and and being able to sit down with people and tell their story and frankly to be with them sometimes oftentimes in their worst moment and there are times rick you get out there and you know to it just put away the journalism here for a second this woman needs a hug and maybe she needs a little prayer and and i had some bold moments where i offered prayer and never had a person say no i'm never that were they uncomfortable sometimes the spirit moves and and god has put you there and and this person just needs a moment and and sometimes you stop the interview and and let them get those tears out because you're you're intruding on some very very personal moments at times and they trust you you. respect they trust you they know you're not a medical doctor, but you've invited, they've invited you into their home so many times. They, they think uh, that you're, that you're family. Well, you hope so. That's what, that's what you try to get to. And and as long as you have that top of mind that you are in someone's home. And so you need to, to bring your best and, and you need to be respectful and, and also have some fun. We have enough to be sad about in this world. And so I tried to, to bring some fun and some humor in when I can and and make the day better, particularly when you're helping people start their day in the morning, uh, but and give them what they need to start the day. That was that was the philosophy. And, you know, hopefully some people enjoyed that and made things a little better for them. I think that's marvelous. And you know what? People, I can understand 
totally why they view you as family or they view you. There's one Julie in their life. And for Julie, there's hundreds of thousands, if not over a million people who know who you are as you walk down that street and you have no idea about them, but they look and they know who you are. They may see you every day, five days a week or whatever it is. But at any rate, what I wanted to ask you is with this podcast genre that you're appearing on right now, does it feel in any way kind of like writing the book cathartic in the sense that you now have this one hour to tell your story about a book where if you were on the news, you'd have what, a minute? Right, right. Right. You would not have that kind of time. Do you think the reason these podcasts have become popular is because people just enjoy writing in their car and listening or or listening while they do other things at home? And and the story can go until it's told. Right. Nobody's saying, all right, cut, cut, one minute and you're done. What do you feel Uh, about the genre? I'm going to give you one word, community. We all want to feel connected to community, whether it's the neighborhood, the family, the bigger family is greater Cincinnati. And when it's a podcast, it's the whole wide world. But but it can be really big and, and really scary. And when you have a podcast where everyone is together for a moment, having a conversation, we're connected as community. And I think that's a special thing because it's conversational. I, we talked about all kind of things here so far, and we can just be ourselves and, and all be with each other. And I think that's that's why this has gotten popular is that, that we all need that as human beings. It's it's important to us to feel connected. When I go to the grocery store and you say people recognize me, I don't know them. Whenever anyone says, are you Julie O'Neill? Or a lot of times it's, are you Tanya O'Rourke? But anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's okay. We, take, we, laugh, we laugh about that. Um, but that makes me feel part of community, of family. And that's that's wonderful. That's a wonderful feeling. It never, ever has bothered me or put me out or anything or disturbed me. I, it makes me feel part of it. And that and that's that's important to me. And that's been a beautiful gift. Right. There are people out there, ma'am, and you know it as well as I do, they struggle with what is just the mere meaning of life, mm-hmm. why we're here. And Lord Almighty, did I not hear you and your best girlfriend, L. 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 Zimmerman. You said to L. You said, "I believe," and I. We've discussed it on this series, yeah. with, before I ever met you in person. Mm-hmm. We discussed it. The meaning of life, the purpose of life, is for an individual to be around those that they love and to have those that love them be around you as well. It's it's being in the company of the ones you love and having them when you're sick and you need help, you're going to find one, no more than a couple people that'll be by your side. The ones who truly love you. That is the meaning of life. And you and L had that. I heard you say, isn't that what life is about? The rest of it is all fluff. I think you said, yeah, it's all fluff. It's about this world is about who loves you and who you love. I was talking to her just a little while ago, and sometimes I'll tell her you have to look in my eyes, and I'll look her in the eye and say, 
thank you. You know, it was, what, maybe eight months ago. It was November. I sat down with her um, and her uh, and her husband. She produced his speaking career for years. He has a best-selling book, and, and, and they really made it to the top. And and I, I wanted to maybe go that route. And I mean, I had tears as we sat down. They workshopped me for three, four hours and had a big whiteboard up and started talking about what you have to do if you want to build a speaking career. And both of them said, you got to write a book, Julie. You have so many stories and so much to share. Just write for 30 minutes a day. And the theme will, will develop. Just start writing. Well, I don't do anything for 30 minutes a day, Rick. I'm... I'm <laughs> Mm-hmm. I'm an intense person. And so I ended up sitting down and 12 hours later, I had, you know, and the whole book was out within a few weeks because it just poured out of me. And so, so, so then take me back to today. I said, how long ago was it? We were sitting there trying to figure out what was my next step. And you encouraged me. And now I'm sitting there holding a book. Thank I think you. it's marvelous. And oh. that's friends. We start, we met at CCM, the College Conservatory of Music at UC, because we were both musical theater majors in 1988. This is your best girlfriend. This is my best friend. And now our lives, you know, we have had to recreate ourselves many times over. And when you have a friend that's like that, that's gold. And I, I'm I'm so grateful for her and her help. She's the executive producer of the remake of Julie O'Neill, God help her. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, we are about out of time. This fabulous book that I'm holding right now, literally in my hands, as I look across the table and and see this dear child of God, Julie O'Neill, a 27-year veteran of one of our major stations in Cincinnati as a news anchor, a news reporter. And then, of course, I'm not counting the years prior to her coming to Cincinnati, which means that we're looking at a 30-plus, little over 30-year journalism career. Would I be correct? That is correct. All right. The book, ladies and gentlemen, is entitled Bold, The Secret to My Big Wins to Help You Crash Through Your Comfort Zone. Everyone, in other words, to get somewhere in life, to do the extraordinary, to talk to the Mother Teresa's, to talk to the Garth Brooks, if that's your line of work. And it doesn't have to be. Your line of work could be arranging floral arrangements. It could be working in a shop. It could be repairing automobiles. You have to have pride in what it is you do. And enthusiasm for it. And if you're not in what you want to do, then go get it. Go get it. You get one life. This is my time. This can be your time too. Let that be my parting message to you. And 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 I hope if you if you look at the book and the very last chapter takes you through the five steps on the footbridge to bold. Oh, Go the, the and anyway do poem. It. Yeah, is that the, called the anyway poem? Well, that's in the book too, and right. that, and that's that's my philosophy. And it was Mother Teresa's, and then right. all, there's the whole story behind that. Right, and read that because that didn't you say you put the anyway poem on your desk at, at work? Looked at it every every day, day every day. Wow, there we go. Tell them where they can get the book and the quickest way to get it and we're going to say goodbye. Yep. The best way to get it is to go right to Amazon and put in the search engine bold 
and or Julie O'Neill, and it'll pop up. You can get the paperback or the ebook, and we'll have an audio book out hopefully in a few months. We're getting that worked out. <laughs> very, very well. Freedom lies in being bold. Robert Frost. There, there we go. Do you feel free? I do, indeed. Oh, all righty. <laughs> Cheers, Rick. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Rick Flynn speaking. It's been fun, but I've got to run. My hat is off to one of the major, major media personalities in greater Cincinnati that I am delighted to have in front of me in the studio right now, the beautiful Julie O'Neill. Thank you, Julie. Thank you, you, everyone at home. We'll see you next Wednesday with a brand new show. Good night. Thank you, Rick. I've enjoyed the show so much. The preceding was a Rick Flynn production. This is your announcer, Chantal Marie speaking.